Would you now join me? Let's give our full attention to the reading of God's word. Acts 16, verse 11 and 15. This is our passage for today. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. At this time, let's give our full attention to the preaching of God's word. Thanks be to God for his holy word. Thanks to Pastor Andrew. What a festive occasion to celebrate 11 years of God's just sheer grace, undeserved love. And as we get into this passage, unpacking better beauty from the conversion of Lydia, I'd like to open us up in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that this word is from you. It's holy because it's from you. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you that these next moments are made holy only because of your presence. And even as we attend to your word, our hearts do ache and we cry out for comfort. Comfort, comfort your people, O oh God, across South Korea, upon Itaewon, upon all those who grieve and are in shock this day. O oh Lord, have mercy. And I pray that your light and your hope would shine even in the darkest of situations. God, we cry out for missionaries, beloved partners on the front lines for the sake of the gospel. We ask for comfort and strength upon them as well. Lord, we thank you for this time. Thank you that you answer every prayer, for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we come to Acts chapter 16. One of the most important moments in the life and history of CCSC, as well as, I would argue, in this book, the remarkable conversion of a woman by the name of Lydia. First, uh, this is to signify Jesus came to bring about a better belonging. First and foremost, the conversion of Lydia signifies better belonging. Acts 16 takes place on the heels of Acts 15. It's really on the heels of the greatest threat against the early church. And I would say it was not external persecution. It was not threats and violence. It was not political rulers trying to shut followers of Jesus down. But it was actually internal implosion. 
Acts 15 is about internal division and implosion based on false teaching, false beliefs, lies. And the crucial question that church leaders and apostles had to gather for in Acts 15 was to answer this. Must Gentiles get circumcised? Must Gentiles get circumcised? Circumcision, that physical sign of Jewish identity and ethnicity. Must they get circumcised to fully belong? Okay, in other words, must non-Jewish people, even back in Acts 15, how do they become full-fledged believers, followers? How do they like really fully belong to Jesus and his people? The Holy Spirit used that entire gathering for Presbyterian people. It's like the General Assembly, like the national once here General Assembly. But the Holy Spirit, get this. He uses long debates. The Holy Spirit does use discussions too and conversations. And uh, they concluded this in chapter 15, verse 11, as Apostle Peter arose and he said this, but we, Jewish people, believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as they will. How do non-Jewish people fully belong? How does any non-Jew fully belong? Same way, a same and new and better way because of Jesus when you put your faith in him and what he did for you. Listen, everyone in this room, you can fully, equally belong to Jesus and his people, the church, based on what Jesus did for you, not based on what you have done for yourself. It's by grace. His works, not your works. It's by grace, his record, not your record. By grace, his reputation, his achievements, his accomplishments, his obedience. Not based on anything you have done or you can bring to the table. Apostle Peter stood up and they concluded this way. No, 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 no. Everyone can belong to the kingdom of God. Everyone fully belongs by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ because of his grace, the public signal or sign of that now is baptism, not circumcision. You get baptized. We have a class coming up on November 1st. We're going to celebrate that. It's one of the greatest days of the year for any church. Baptism is the new and better public sign that you believe in the work of Jesus in your place. Therefore, you fully belong. And listen, how much better is baptism than circumcision? There's no pain. <laughs> There's not bloody. You don't have to be of male anatomy. No pain, no blood. Why? Because Jesus shed his. Baptism as a public signal that you put your faith in Jesus who lived and died and was raised for you. All, all can come. Boys and girls, men and women, black, brown, yellow, white, Jew or Gentile, rich, middle class or poor, moral or immoral, married or not, good kids, bad kids. Good history, bad history. 
does not matter one whit. You fully belong to Jesus and his kingdom and his church based on your relational status to Jesus. By faith, by grace. Did you know that in the Quran, only one woman is named? Who would that be? The holy book of Islam. In the Quran, one woman is mentioned by name. It would be the mother of Jesus, Mary, of course. In that ancient and even in this modern culture now, most women, are you will never learn their names. They are only named through their male kin. But here is Luke in his gospel and in the book of Acts. Highlights naming women over and over and over and over again. Here's Lydia by name. Other episodes where women are at the center by name. Because Jesus came to live and die for you by name. You belong better because of his blood. A second thing that's going on in the conversion of Lydia, it's not just about better belonging. It's to enable better vision. It's to enable better vision so we can all see better. As the word of the gospel continued to multiply and grow, I mean, it's just hammered down again and again in the book of Acts. That's what the Holy Spirit just loves to do. The Holy Spirit just loves to take the word of God, the gospel about Jesus, highlight Jesus, and he wants it to just spread like wildfire. He wants that to go viral, yes, till the end of time, until Jesus comes back. And as the word of the gospel grows by the power of the Holy Spirit, you and I are able to see things you used to not see pretty well. Blind spots. Blind spots are exposed and healed. Do not overlook this. One of the markers that the gospel is growing in your life, that the Holy Spirit is working in your life, is you become more aware and you're trying to repent of and heal from your blind spots. There are game-changing movements or moments in the book of Acts, like Acts chapter 9, when Jesus Christ showed up to Saul, who was imprisoning and terrorizing and beating down people who believed and followed Jesus, had risen from the dead. Do you know what happened to Saul in Acts chapter 9? He was literally blinded, physically could no longer see, so that spiritually, more importantly, he could see that Jesus Christ indeed has risen from the dead, and Jesus is God and Savior of all. Saul, Saul, you're going the wrong way. Saul, Saul, you're living your life all wrong. You will be doomed. For I have risen. And Saul was able to see in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 10, Apostle Peter had a vision which happened to converge with the prayer life of an officer in the Italian cohort by the name of Cornelius. Again, a Gentile, an Italian army officer maybe. Peter had a vision that converged with Cornelius' prayers, and Peter wasn't able to see. Oh, what? The Holy Spirit? God, really? It's not just about my ethnicity or race? Huh. I didn't know that. But God had to show him that. And here's what happens in chapter 10, verse 45. Chapter 10, verse 45, it reads... 
While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word and the believers from among the circumcised. Look, these are the people who believed in circumcision. They used to believe only you can get circumcised to fully belong and follow Jesus. Who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. Saul was enabled to see Jesus Christ is risen God and Savior of all. Peter and those of the circumcision party in chapter 10 were enabled to see the Holy Spirit equally and fully falls upon non-Jews. Both Peter and Paul utterly changed as leaders of the early church. Now, back to our passage in Acts chapter 16. When Paul and Silas and his young disciple Timothy found a gathering of women who would regularly meet to pray. In verse 13, it read, now I know this escapes us, but there should be neon signs, fire alarms, like fireworks popping off to try to convey to you how epic this moment is. Paul, Timothy, and Silas sit down and speak with a group of women. Paul, formerly Saul, once again, converted in Acts chapter 9, was a devoted Pharisee. He was an ancient Jewish man. And he prayed a certain prayer every single morning. Do you know what that prayer was? We'll project it right here. Lord God, I thank thee that you did not make me a woman, a slave, or a Gentile. No, that's right. That is the prayer that Saul, who now became Paul, would have prayed every single morning when he got up. And yet in Acts chapter 16, Luke wants all of us to see that the first three conversions that occur in Philippi, those are the first recorded conversions in Europe, are first a woman by the name of Lydia, second you will find a slave girl, and third a Gentile jailer. My friends, if the gospel is alive and it's growing in you, if you read the scriptures and the Holy Spirit moves in your life, your blind spots will be exposed and they'll get healed. You know, the last person to see your blind spots, the last person to see your blind spots is who? It's you. That's what my wife tells me all the time. The last person to see your blind spots is, is who? Early in our marriage, maybe about two, three years in, in Cerritos, I, my mom was visiting. She was sleeping over. And early in the morning, I woke up to whispering, whispering, shh, just whispering in a, in a room. And it was my mom talking with my wife. And they evidently whispering about me. My mom was apologizing for me. My mom was trying to excuse and protect her oldest son. She knows what Harold is really like. And she was so apologetic for Sonny that she stuck with me. I walked into that room and that was not a good day. We don't see our blind spots until people point them out. Oh, but my friends, it's hopefully much better when it comes with the gospel from the people of God. 
from the people of God. 11 years here at CCSC since we became a church. And I remember being dragged and stumbling into a uh, small group. It was a grief group. It was a uh, small group centered around how to grieve. And it was led by ladies, amazing ladies of our church. And I was, uh, I was so um, uncomfortable is not even the right word. I was so taken aback that I could not speak. Because it was one of those moments that I learned, Harold, you've been avoiding and running from grief all your life. But I found in my mom, who had become a widow, and my sister, and amazing sisters on our staff, and in that small group, and the sisters who will now be installed as officers to be, this is my opinion, okay? It's just my opinion. It's not from the Word of God. I just find women way, way advanced, way better than men in terms of being aware of grief, articulating grief, like eyes wide open, handling the brokenness of our world. You know, we men, what we do is we just mumble, or we just yell, or we just get really busy. And in fact, I found in so many of my sisters at this church and in my life, they are way tougher and greedier than me when it comes to sadness and grief. Hey, please don't take overboard that because God made male and female utterly distinct, they are differentiated but to be complementary and united in love. But they remain different. Yes, one is strong and one is weak. Don't always think it's only one gender is strong and the other is weak. You know, at creation, there were cosmic pairings right at the moment of creation when there was no, no sin, no pollution, no fall. Heaven and earth, the sun and the moon, the land and the sea, male and female, male and female. In a couple moments in the history of CCSE, the first time we'll be able to do this, six godly women, godly I say because I know they've been chosen by God. I know they don't feel, they're having a hard time still believing that, but set apart by God, being trained. Oh, you're going to train for the rest of your life, ladies. I, if you thought training was poor, I'm sorry, but yeah, it is poor. It's going to be on the job, just like Jesus did with the disciples. They have been voted by you. We are entrusting them. We will honor them. We are installing them as officers of CCSC. We pray that they'll be Holy Spirit filled. Why are we doing this? Why would we do that? so that you and I get to see God better. You and I get to reflect and image God better. And we will do church much better. We will do the mission of the church, spreading and showing the gospel of Jesus Christ far better. Far better. Male and female, moms and dads, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters. Has CCSE blessed you in any way? I really hope and pray it has. Sheer grace of God. Have you benefited, gained anything? 
anything good happen through the life or the gathering of this church. Um, I'd like to highlight and recall Pastor Daniel Dinko's sermon on the Supreme Court overturning Roe versus Wade. Did you appreciate or value that sermon? Well, if so, let me tell you unequivocally, everything, almost everything that's been good has been due to a woman's voice or touch. It passed through the filter of my wife or my staff member. Dinko consulted and agonized and learned from a group of women preparing that sermon. And a woman's voice and gifting and wisdom and leadership and pushback, pushback with all of her manifold giftings is how we get to see God better and the world will see God better too. Better belonging, better vision, last thing. Better beauty. Lydia was captivated by better beauty. Let me give us a little quick profile on the character of Lydia. Evidently, she was extraordinarily accomplished, highly connected, so influential, very wealthy. The text tells us she was a dealer, did business with purple goods. That means dealing with purple dye. Extremely expensive in her day, as it probably is still today. This Lydia from Thyatira, think of her as a CEO or an owner of a luxury brand, a luxury fashion line. She ran it. She owned a home. Evidently a very large, refreshing home that people would like to frequent. Think Newport Beach, Beverly Hills, Hollywood Hills. The text tells us that Lydia was formerly a, quote, worshiper of God, a worshiper of God. That's just a technical term to describe a non-Jewish person, a Gentile, diligently reading and studying the Hebrew Bible. And she was evidently seeking the God of that Bible. Lydia, Lydia. So all of that interest, her studies, her drives, and then her divine appointment to meet with Paul, Silas, and Timothy. You do know this is all the work of the Holy Spirit. And what must have that divine appointment or conversation with the Apostle Paul been like? I mean, of all the people you could run into, it's not bad to run into the Apostle Paul. What was that discussion like? I can conjecture, you know, Lydia studying the Hebrew scriptures. Of course, she must have known about Father Abraham. He was promised to bless all the nations. She must have read about Moses, the great Moses, through whom they accomplished the exodus and God delivered the law. She must have read all the repeated, detailed, gory, blood procedures of the sacrificial system. And then along comes Apostle Paul. To Lydia, and you know what he does? He takes the entirety of the Old Testament and then he just unlocks it. Like he solves it. He makes sense of everything that she had ever read or understood in the gospel. You know, Apostle Paul must have explained something like this to Lydia. You know, Lydia, Jesus came along to bless all peoples, all nations, because you can belong to him by his work, not yours. Jesus is better than Moses. 
because he brings about an eternal, perfect exodus. You can never be enslaved again. Jesus fulfilled all of the law. He loved God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loved his neighbor of himself perfectly. And yet, that same Jesus, who fulfilled the Mosaic law, volunteered to lay down his own life and become the sacrifice, the Lamb of God, to take away all the sins of the world. Lydia... Everything you were supposed to do, everything that God wants from you, all that God expects of you. Oh, Lydia, do you not know? Everything you should have done, Jesus has done. Lydia, oh, you even here this morning, do you not know? Everything Abraham was supposed to do, everything Moses was supposed to do, everything that the sacrificial system pointed to, all that God wants to be done, Jesus Christ has done. And yet he sacrificed himself for all the things we haven't done and all the ways we have broken his law. This is how he unlocked it with the gospel. It's pretty typical of Paul. Look at chapter 13, verses 38 to 39, how he unlocks everything with the gospel. Here, this is Paul again. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that though this man, that through this man, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. This is gospel liberation. Do you get the gospel? Have you received the gospel? The laws of God are wonderful. Humanity has never heard things like this, but they're impossible to keep. Jesus Christ came along and he fulfilled all the things you could not do and he died and he was executed for all the things we've done wrong. This is the gospel. How Apostle Paul must have explained to Lydia. And then we read in verse 14, back to our passage, verse 14. Second half. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. I can only give you gospel content. The Holy Spirit alone can't open your heart. Here's what happened with Lydia. You know, this phrase opened her heart is, think of all the beauty that Lydia must have been accustomed to. Think of all the dazzling luxury brand, the purple goods she was used to. But when the Holy Spirit comes along, this is what it means. There was an attraction. There was a captivation she had an aesthetic experience. No, no, this is not just content, my friends. There was a far surpassing beauty that stole her heart. It captured her heart. It moved and owned her heart. Because when Lydia heard that there was this Jesus who did everything right by her, but still suffered and died for her, 
a better beauty clicked. And a better beauty began to own the rest of her life. What needs to happen to people like Lydia? One of your pastors is something I wreck my brain over and I pray. In other words, what needs to happen to people who are relatively really well off, highly educated, live in Orange County? You can always run and hide and escape behind comforts of life. You have enough comfort and freedom and wealth to escape the realities of life. You don't have a criminal record. You grew up religious. You're very respectable. You're a good person. You think you are, and other people think so too. Now, what needs to happen to a person like Lydia to utterly convert and change her so that she'll never be the same? Here's what needs to happen. The Holy Spirit has to shine down a better beauty so that you can see the real ugliness inside. Only when a far surpassing beauty arrives, you get to see the cockroaches run away. The most popular, dominant mantra and religion of our day is, how can this make me a better me? How will this church meeting make me better? How will you make my life better? How can this be about my better business? How can this be transactional so you can improve everything around me to be better? Do you know that when the conversion happens through the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God comes in and floods a light with a new dynamic, a new drive, with new thinking, new desires, new questions, where you no longer just go around all of life obsessed with, how can this make me a better me? But here's what God did with Lydia. For the rest of her life, she never asked the question, how can this make, make me a better me? That's pure business. That's pure transaction. That's the worship of the self. I guarantee Lydia from that moment when Paul unpacked the gospel and the Holy Spirit entered into her heart and captured it, Lydia from that day on never asked, how does this make me a better me? Her mantra was, how beautiful is he? How beautiful is he? Is he Jesus Christ who lived and died and was raised for me? My friends, you know you're converted. Not just grew up at church. Do you know how you're really converted? When who you live for is utterly changed. Who you live for. Who do you think about most? Who are you obsessed about most? Who do you want to please most? Who do you work for? Who do you make money for? Who do you sweat and toil for? Who do you wake up for? Who is at the end of your dreams? And when Lydia heard of a man who would do that for her, her heart was stolen. Stolen by better beauty. You know, our six ladies who will now take vows as officers soon, we have this verse written on their plaques. Yeah, you're going to receive a plaque, a plaque at least. You're welcome. But on the plaque, here's what the verse will read, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 
For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Who Lydia lived for utterly changed. And Jesus became so beautiful to her that she shared it with all of her household. It, the text tells us that she shared the beauty of Jesus with all of her family and all of them were baptized. Then at the end of this passage, it says that she hosted them. She said, if you see fit, I would love to be generous and sacrificial. I'd love to open my lavish home and serve you messengers of God. But did you know that Lydia would host them another time by the end of this chapter? That same Paul and Silas would be brutally beaten in public almost beaten to the point of death. They'd be thrown into a prison where a Gentile jailer would want to kill himself because there was an earthquake that would miraculously free all his prisoners. But Paul and Silas, as messengers and as examples of Jesus Christ, chose to stay. And after they were freed from that prison, with an apology, actually, from the Roman magistrates or the local magistrates, Lydia says she hosted him again. She took in prisoners. She took in pe people beaten by a mob at her own risk because there was be a better beauty she had perceived. Oh, and then in the book of Revelation, a church in Thyatira is mentioned. Did you know that? Thyatira, ring a bell? Lydia was from Thyatira. There is no record of Apostle Paul, Peter, Timothy, or any disciple ever going to Thyatira. Most likely Lydia took a trip all the way back home with new business, gospel business. She went on a mission trip so that the beauty of Jesus Christ could be shared. Oh, this Jesus Christ, how beautiful is he? How beautiful is he? Do you know why? Because he doesn't have a type. He doesn't have a type. Oh, pastor, you don't know my life. You don't know what I'm thinking right now. You don't know what I did last night. You have no idea what I'm coming out of. You don't know me. You don't know my family. You don't know my stuff. There is no way Jesus could be attracted to or like someone like me. There is no way Jesus could welcome someone like me. No, you're dead wrong. Jesus doesn't have a type. He doesn't have a type. Christianity is exploding right now in Africa, Latin America, and Asia. It's no longer America or Western Europe. Why would that be? And the greatest number of converts today are women, 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 women of color. Why would that be? Because Jesus doesn't have a type. If you don't think you're his type, you're his perfect type. Because Jesus did everything to become your type. Jesus is also beautiful because he did everything to become your type. Do you see, if you're religious and you're respectable like Lydia, there's a better beauty you can find in the gospel. If you're oppressed, dominated, literally demonized even, addicted in every way like a slave girl after the conversion of Lydia, there is greater power to set you free in the name of Jesus Christ. 
Oh, and then the Gentile jailer, the third episode in Acts chapter 16. If you live in the real world, and you're the type of person who says, you know, I live to do my job well. I like when things just work out. I'm about real life. I'm about practical things. Show me something practical. And here's a Gentile jailer who lived to do his job well and didn't do it right, and he wanted to die. But along come two messengers of Jesus Christ and the gospel who bring about something so practical, so real life. It's a real world rescue, even when you do your job all wrong. You come to this, Jesus. This church is about Jesus. This church wants to be more about Jesus. And as we spread the word and the name and the work and the fame and by the power of the spirit of Jesus to that end, to that end until Jesus returns, all glory, all honor be unto God and for our great, great joy. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the gospel, O God, for Jesus, who comes to us as we are, and he becomes exactly who we need. O Lord, I pray you would bless and even enter into lives of those who have yet to know you. And I pray, O God, by the power of your spirit, you would raise up a much more beautiful church. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.